Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. You guys, go back there. Keep your eyes open, you might see a whale. Or a shark. One day I was out of my own. One grabbed me from behind. Luckily it was more of a love bite than a real chomp. Welcome to Hell's Reef. We made it. Hey! A shark attack. It's gotta be out there somewhere. You've got no idea where to look. The chance of finding anything is almost zero. Yeah, we have to try. She could still be alive. We're sinking fast. We're in the current. By morning, we'll be 75 k's from here. Get a mate out? Not sure. What about the rescue boat? The current is running east. We use it to get to the coast. You're kidding. You got a better idea? So do you think it's gone? It's still out there. And it's close. Everyone get out of the water! Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 351. Out now in Australian cinemas and releasing June 30 on Blu-ray, DVD and digital is Great White, a horror thriller that pits five survivors of a seaplane crash against a man-eating great white shark that stalks their every move. Featuring stunning locations, thrilling shark attack sequences and engaging characters, Great White also marks the feature film debut of Martin Wilson, who joins me now on the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast. Martin, I thank you very much for joining me today. Oh, great to speak to you, Matt. So the screenplay for this film is written by Michael Belgen, and he's a producer. He did work on Tomorrow When the um, when the War Began and The Loved Ones. He wrote the screenplay for Dying Breed as well. So screenplays from him don't come along too often. When did you first find about about his, um, his script and uh, what was about it that really kind of drew you to wanting to do your first feature film? Because I know you've been wanting to do this for a while. You've been doing TV and, and film work shorts uh, for uh, 25 years now, but this is your first feature. So what's it about Michael's script that really kind of drew you into doing this movie? Yeah, well, it, the, the script came through our producers, uh, Michael Robertson and Neil Kingston, and uh, and I was drawn to it because it was, I thought it was a great opportunity to um, really use the locations and the visual, um, there's a lot of, you know, great visual scope that came through the script mm. in terms of showcasing, you know, the northern tropical waters of Australia, which is really sort of beguiling and beautiful and, um, you know, contrasting that to, you know, what lurks underneath uh, these beautiful uh, sort of beguiling waters. So there was a chance to really, you know, explore that um, and, you um, yeah, so that really uh, drew me to the screenplay. 
Does getting the chance to also work in the creature feature appeal as well? I know that The Thing is one of your favourite movies. I actually um, listened to a podcast you on previously. You talked about watching that film over and over when you were a kid, and I'm sure that kind of developed kind of like you know, your uh, passion for wanting to become a filmmaker yourself. Does working on a, a movie that's a creature feature, a shark attack film, something that you really wanted to sink your teeth in, uh, pardon the pun there? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we you know, when you grow up, you get... Uh, you certainly get drawn to certain types of films and um, The Thing and, you know, or the original Fright Night, mm. um, the Aliens. Um, these types of movies were, were a big part of my childhood. So I definitely love genre and the creature feature, uh, genre, uh, genre of filmmaking. And so I was definitely drawn and, you know, lucky enough to, to get an opportunity, get an opportunity myself to, um, to you know, to have a have a crack at it. It's um, interesting. Uh, you know, people have compared the film. It's kind of like as a mix between Hitchcock's The Lifeboat and um, Spielberg's Jaws. I think that's something that people kind of like clash together to try to describe what your movie is. Um, and you can really see that, of course, is just just in the plot elements of the film itself. Um, this really interesting though, like in the film, it's your film itself. It has little nods to other movies as well. There's one particular scene I wanted to to bring up with you, and I don't think everyone anyone has yet. So when we first meet um, Kimi uh, Tsukakoshi's character in the movie, it kind of reminiscent of how we first meet Kate Winslet in Titanic. Was that kind of like a nod to James Cameron in Titanic there? Um, I know the scene in Titanic with the hat. Yes. Um, so. I think it, it it was definitely a let's just say a visual reference, so very well picked up on. But um, we we uh, you know uh, I, I think someone had seen that film and had liked that moment in, in a way. How do you introduce each character, give them a, a bit of a, a moment and uh, a sense of significance, you know, in a way. So I guess uh, it was a uh, a nice touchstone. Um, and I want to talk about the rest of the cast as well. Let's start with Katrina Bowden. She's an American actress. Um, people know her more for her work in um, 30 Rock and other kind of uh, comedies as well. Here she is, the lead in your movie. How did Katrina come about to be uh, cast in Great White? Well, Katrina was uh, someone that we thought, uh, you know, had a you know really strong uh, presence in the North American market and had done you know, a good broad range of films. So we felt that she was a, you know, a fantastic, fantastic fit for the character, a part of Kaz and, you know, who's a really dynamic character and um, it has got a sense of adventure and, but also complex in the, in the sort of in, in the internal stuff that she's going through. So yeah, Katrina was a, was a, just such a delight to work with and just so, um, you know, dynamic on the set and, you know, really just, you know, you know just, threw herself into the part, which is amazing because it was so demanding. The other cast in your film, the, the non-human element of the film, which is the sharks themselves. I'm curious, how much of it was practical and how much of it was a CG, what we see on the screen? I think it was a really um, balanced, uh, you know, like a basically a third split between the the practical, animo- uh, you know, animatronic shark, Brenda, uh, the... Um, stock sharks and CGI sharks. How do you go about creating your sharks? Who are you working with? Who's the guys that's putting together these things for you? Well, I guess we were, uh, um, 
uh, Chop Shop was the post-production house, and so they were the main players in the creation of the sharks. When it comes to location, the movie set in this place called Hell's Reef, is that an actual place, Hell's Reef, uh, where the film's set? No, no, it's just a uh, good old-fashioned made-up location. But, you know, it's supposed to represent uh, northern Australia and all the, you know, the... I guess there's a the, the history of the pearling, you know, the, there's a deep history of the pearling in northern parts of Australia. In WA, it's Broome, and there's also parts in Darwin and northern Queensland. So, uh, yeah, the, the location's supposed to be representative of, of that type of, um, I guess, landscape and, and um, you know, part of that part, that, that uh, the coastline of northern Australia. The job that yourself and cinematographer Tony O'Loughlin in really capturing those that scenery is really spectacular, almost to the point that I'm watching this movie and I understand that underneath this, the ocean is a terror underneath there that's going to tear me apart, but I want to jump into that water. Um, how important was it to really kind of have that alluring aspect to want people to jump in that water even they, they'll probably um, lunch if they do? <laughs> I think it was what we're deliberately obviously trying to make, you know, all these sort of stunning, epic-looking locations, I guess, be appealing to an international audience who don't live here and would find that more exotic and interesting just to look at. And then, obviously, the thematic qualities of danger and suspense that you can you can draw out of that type of location. Um, and another, I guess, another key element was the isolation and the vastness of the ocean. Yeah. And having this this small raft which was losing air, you know. Um, in the middle of nowhere with with no apparent escape. When it comes to shooting on water, this was a 25-day shoot, which is kind of remarkable considering all the elements that you had to kind of put together to make this all work, and it does work very well. When it comes to shooting on water, how much of those 25 days were you actually in location up north shooting in actual seas? Probably a good, I'd say a good 60 70% was on location in the water. Um, you know, and, and it's obviously, and 25 days is a, is, is a really tough short schedule when you're shooting on water with the elements, you know, the tides and winds and things like that. So yeah. And the, the other, the other components was the, the various, um, tanks that we shot in, mm. um, underwater tanks, um, and, uh, you know, studios. And then we had a huge big, uh, prawn farm, like a dam on the Gold Coast. So we used that a lot because, you know, we had a lot of sinking plane stuff just for safety that you can't do out on the open water. There's scenes at the, I don't want to give away too much, but the scenes in the film where both Katrina Bowden and also Aaron uh, Jakubenko, who plays the role of Charlie, they're actually underwater for a substantial amount of time. And I'm sure you've yeah. got the practical shark, shark in there, you're doing things with that. How much prep does it take for them to get ready physically um, to be able to pull that off? Because I imagine with 25 days shooting, you're going to be able to get in there, do those shots quickly, um, get them done really well with the practical shark element as well. I mean, I imagine that perhaps even when, when casting, you're looking at actors who are able to do that kind of stuff underwater, right? Yeah, it's a great question because it is it, it does take a lot of preparation and, you know, the actors are in confined, claustrophobic locations where you're holding your breath often. So we had... Aaron Jakobenko is just an absolute legend and master, um, uh, you know, very, very, um, Aaron's very, very accomplished with uh, swimming and holding his breath and, 
you know, just dealing with water because he, he'd shot a series called Tidelands where he had a lot mm. of training. Mm-hmm. So we were very fortunate to have Aaron on board because he really knew how to, you know, physically handle that type of stress, you know, and um, not only is a really talented and committed actor, but he's a very physical actor with a great broad um, knowledge and training of, of working in water. So it's so it's so important. It's so it, it can just really can bog you down if you get stuck um, both above and below the water. It's interesting when I was watching Great White not long before that. I was um, sent a documentary to watch as well about shark conservation, etc. Um, and it you know the education we have about sharks over the years, especially since say the days of Jaws and such, has really given us a different kind of look what sharks are, what they can do. But despite all of this stuff, this we still have this kind of innate fear, don't we, of what's not oh, yeah. only in the water but what's in the sharks. Where do you think that fear comes from? Is that just something that's primal? I mean, to the point where way back when, how many thousands of years ago, anything that can eat us is still stuck in our DNA and that's just something that really kind of just gives us that fear, that nightmare-inducing uh, kind of uh, imagery, especially when it comes to a shark attack movie. Oh, absolutely. I think it's just embedded in there and, you know, the, those the, the ruthless um, <laughs> animalistic um, danger that we know is out there. Um, and I guess it also works in a vicarious way because people like to watch horror movies and mm. and sort of, you know, uh, cathartically live through other characters and have that fear and like a, you, you would on a roller coaster ride yourself when you go on these crazy you know, rides and things like that, you, you'd you have the fear and then you know that, you know, you, you're not actually in peril. I think there's that sense of, like, relief, you know. So it's I think it's all part of the same thing, you know. It's really interesting. What's also interesting as well is that sometimes when I watch movies, you can kind of count the beats of a certain scene, especially when it comes to horror movies of this kind of nature. What I love about Great White is that every single time I try to predict when a strike would happen, I was wrong almost 100% of the time. Um, I like the fact they kind of mess with convention in that way. When you're in editing, um, when you put in together the sequences of shark attacks, did you like kind of being able to do, to mess around the psychology of these movies of what people think they might see and then boom, hitting them with an unexpected kind of twist of when a shark attack will happen on your screen? I think you do try and give it a point of difference or, you know, I guess I'm, you know, like I've studied uh, or, you know, you study all the filmmakers as a director, you know, like, and, and you look at people like Hitchcock and you try and work out what, what, what makes their scenes work? What makes them tick? How did he, how did he do that? You know, and then you try your best to use that in your own films. Obviously, when you're writing the scene firstly, and then when you're actually shooting it physically, and then when you're cutting it. So all that was definitely top of mind. How do we, you know, how do you really string an audience along and give them that sense of suspense, suspense and then relief and suspense and relief and that roller coaster ride? Um, was that, you know, when you don't have a lot of time and you don't have a lot of money, you know, they, they, these types of tools, I guess, are your friend, you know? Well, i got to say Great White has to be one of the better shark attack movies I've seen. I get a lot of them sent my way. It's so good to see one made with such great uh, professionalism and the story's great and the characters are great and the sharks look great as well. And for everyone out there listening, Great White is out now um, in theatres in Australia at a limited capacity. I think for the next week or so they're going to be shown in limited screens, but then it's going to be June 30, Blu-ray and DVD. Make sure you check it out in the cinema first because the photography and the effects and everything really um, screams out for that. So hopefully you 
people do watch this in the cinema before they get it in Blu-ray um, next to their copies of Open Water and Jaws because it really does belong in the pantheon of those Shark Attack movies. And oh. uh, Martin Wilson, I just want to say congratulations Thanks, to you with your feature yeah. film debut. This is the really cool stuff, man, and I can't wait to see uh, what you got next and be able to talk about um, your future films as well. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Yeah, definitely June 30th. It's out on all digital, major digital platforms as well. Awesome. So, you know, you, you know your, your Apple TVs and YouTube. So, yeah, excited about it and excited about moving on to the other projects. So great to talk to you. And I'm really glad you really understood what we were trying to do with the movie, which is awesome.